to the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Golf Barons, and welcome to the final Tenuous Links podcast for 2019. Damien has decided to give me the reins for the day, and I really appreciate that, Damien. It's very nice of you. The podcast today is brought to you by Under Armour Golf, brought to you by Ping Australia and Mizuno Australia, three very good sponsors of ours. With no further ado, we have Damien on board. Great to be here, Phil. Like to be in your shoes for once. This is fantastic. We also have a very, very special guest. He's very special. Head of filming, actually head of most intelligence within head of the our production team. Golf Barons Group, our head cameraman, sound engineer, production engineer, producer, director, and most other things. Dav, how are you, Dav man? The Dav Very well. Man. Thank you, Barons. Welcome uh, on board. Short time listener, first time co-host. <laughs> well, welcome on board for the your first podcast of Tenuous Links and the final one for 2019. And what a podcast it is going to be because we have got the greatest discussion topic that we've had regarding golf in Australia for some time, and that is our President's Cup wrap. What a great week it was, boys, wasn't it? I, I enjoyed it very much. First golf event ever for me. Was that your first? So that was your first, first tournament, your first live tournament. Your cherry has been popped. It is. <laughs> it's golf cherry. Well and truly. Which may well explain why Dav decided to dump all his camera gear on me while sitting in the media centre and say, I'll leave this with you. I'm just going to wander out and actually watch some golf because despite the fact that we were there pretty well all week, the number of shots we actually saw struck might have been in the low single figures. It certainly wasn't plenty of shots. But well, it was a, as, as an event, though, guys, how this is one of the best events we've had on Australian soil. Honestly, I can't think of one that was probably was more popular in the end. Nailed every element for mine. They nailed every element with one exception, which is the handwritten exit sign from one of the car parks, which I thought, gee, they, they hadn't thought through every element. But I tell you what, when you're digging deep there. Yes, but if it was a proper sign, the Baron's limo might not have made it in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we must thank Thumbs Up Guy. Thumbsy. Thank on gate thumbs. B, because thumbs up guy on gate B gave us much love, lots of thumbs up on the way in, lots of thumbs up on the way out, and that was very nice of him. But, but our podcast never really speak about and, and begin with this level of positivity, which is a bit disappointing from us because we always kick off our podcast to get the negative out of the way, get the bad vibes out of the way, so we can get on with the great things about what we witnessed, what we experienced, and otherwise. And that is, a what do you hate, or what did you hate about the week? Damien, have you got a hate for us? I've got something. Yeah, no, I do. I I hated a part of the media centre. Now, I don't mean the media centre itself. I loved being in the media centre. As a rule, the setup was fantastic. We could see what was going on at all times. But for me, my hate are grumpy journos who don't enjoy the atmosphere in there and make it a bit more of an- I know we're being professional. Some of us are. Some of them are. But- to get down to it, for us, yeah, we need a bit more, a little bit more, a bit more fun is what I'm looking for. So my hate was how grumpy a lot of the guys and gals were in the media centre. So I was a media centre virgin, and I say was because I say that very proudly. And my experience from the media centre, from the front door of feeling welcome, embraced, thank you, Nashi, for, for helping us check in each day and making sure we're all sorted out. But what surprised me, I, I understood the roles that everyone had, I understood what they were there for, this idea of neutrality. After the first press conference that I've sat in in my life, I wanted to actually clap 
because the internationals had had a big day and I went to put the hands together. It was like being in church, wasn't it? Well, I went to put the hands together and I got a nudge from next to me giving it the, it's just not done. And I still to this day don't exactly understand why it's not done when we can wear a a internationals team cap or we can wear a USA beanie or we can wear all these other things. But one of the great things about the media centre for mine was the massive screen that showed the match scores when you walk in there because the majority of journalists, to be completely honest, from through my eyes, probably saw more golf on TV than they saw live. That's almost getting into a bit of a love there though, Phil. I'm a bit it, worried you've skipped your hate. I've got a really good love. Oh, yeah. So no, just, but we want your hate first, Phil. I What's know. Your you're the one who tried to suggest that I was going with love. So what I what I, what I I from within the media centre, that, that big screen was, was excellent. The issue that I had was that I'm not allowed to be, and no, I'm not going to call myself young, but I'm not allowed to be passionate. I'm not allowed to be, and not even biased because I was. I wanted to clap after Tiger Woods spoke because I just love golf and love being there and love the opportunity. Well, being. this is probably a good time to bring Devman in because he's been to plenty of different media mm. events and press conferences for years. Did you find that strange being to your first golf one? What was your thoughts on it? Not at all. Well, firstly, you're criticism shooter i personally love the grumpy old journal yeah no you are a commodity i love the, I love the journal that's just been to one too many of a one sporting event you know <laughs> that would explain why you're that, the one who nudged that, me when i went to clap dev <laughs> they just add so much character to the media room but i suspect their lack of character adds character well i think good take. i don't think it's a lack of character i think grumpiness is is plenty of character it's because you very, are a character not a very positive character Doesn't maybe mean. it's the pessimist within me that that loves that level of pessimism from a journalist that's that's been at it for far too long. I don't know. If I may throw in an additional hate, a supplementary hate, it was about this idea of headline journalism. And I refer to a, a quote that came out of on the Saturday after well, all the rounds had finished and one of the uh, international players was asked about momentum. And it was suggested that from one of the US players, sorry, was asked about momentum. And they made just a general comment about momentum. You know, we, we're glad we finished the afternoon well. When the international team came in, the journalist, another journalist, took that answer and said outright uh, to Mark Leishman, Patrick Cantlay just said the Americans or the inter- Americans had all the momentum going in, which is actually just not what it's he just said. just not what he said, Correct, no. Yeah. And he, he didn't even put it in that sort of a way. He didn't say, yeah, no, he, you know, he, that's sort of what he was intimating. No, he said, he said this as if he had off his own bat just mm. delivered, we've got all the momentum now, blah, 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 blah. It's so, it's such a dishonest way. It's just to, not to what happened. Yeah. That, that was my concern, again, from a rookie. It's just not what happened. Mm. So ask questions based on what was said, yeah. but don't interpret what was said and take that and try and poke the bear a little bit. And it's- that really is the responsibility of, of a journalist. Mm. Obviously, they have to paraphrase. Obviously, they have to edit words down. But th- their role is to not take somebody out of context. He, he knows what the context was. He knows what was meant by that. So, so to do that is really dishonest. Yeah, it screams, I agree. it screams of a real setup, doesn't it? To set him up just to get that, head, as you say, the, the headline journalism. And we did bump into, when you talk about the negativity, we did bump into the guys from 4Play Pod at the front and had a bit of a brief conversation. Get that right. We didn't bump into them. They backtracked to come and talk to us, Phil. They did backtrack. And why did they come to talk to us, Damien? Moving on to loves, well, if I, this ties in, because I'll make it tie well, in. Well, hang on. Let me just – I did want to throw something in before we move to loves. We weren't at the press conference when the tournament had been won. My question is, do you think there was a round of applause for the winning the winning team and potentially even the losing team as, as a consolation at the end of the event? It's really interesting. I believe they set the tone – 
by being completely unbiased. And I think if they were then true to their own tone that they set, there should not have been. But I hope that there was, and I hope there was raucous applause for both sides well, because that was a hell of an event. I reckon there would have been. I have covered sports where post regular season, post every other final, there's no celebration, there's no applause. But when it comes to grand final day or a championship or whatever it is, there will be an applause for the winning team from the press corps, from the media. When, you know, when the trophy is sitting on the bench, you know, the press conference table, I mean, it's it's a celebratory moment. Like you said, you felt compelled to applause. I think you, you can't hold it back at, in that occasion for the, for the winning team. Yeah, and I, and I think as, as you lead us down Positive Street, it's probably a really good time <laughs> to move on to loves. And when you talk about the celebration of the passion and the celebration of the, the game and all the other things, I think it's really important that from here on in, this is all upside and this is all, you know, for the rest of the podcast because the event and the week was fantastic. So, Damien, do you want to kick us off with a love? I had a love that was the reception we received with a little little bit of cheekiness we brought into the into the event. For those of you listening, many of you who follow us on our social platforms would have seen the little red number that we put on our bonces with the words... Make read great again. And that that hat, which we thought this could actually be a little bit, this could trigger some people. But what we, we actually got so much love, didn't we? we people, you know, from both sides, from the from the US side and from the internationals, got on board, had a laugh. We were stopped so several times throughout the week to have a photo, which we some of us were stopped more often to have a photo than others, Damien. You're a good-looking rooster. 27-4 is a fair score count. I think, to be fair, they couldn't read it on your head because no one was tall enough to see the writing. That's probably more of an apt <laughs> description of what happened. But I loved that people took that little bit of cheekiness in the right spirit and had a laugh with us. I think the crowds overall, I know there were, there were some issues at the event on both sides, to be fair, but I, I really think that the crowds were really good. So We had one, and to be fair, we had one negative comment from a, to be frank, a smartass who walked past us who didn't have, and not, not the, the courage of his convictions to stop, but made a comment and kept walking. When we caught, we would have actually had a conversation and said, "What side do you think we're on?" Because one of the re- things when we set out to do what we did, and this is pre, we had these hats made up pre Bahamas. Yeah, was, oh, it, was, it a bit, fell a little bit into play because we knew Reed was always going to be the villain. But was to test it. We, we, yeah, well, we absolutely did. Hence the very classy production number of us also. discussing hashtag murder. But was that idea of the ambiguity? Now we knew exactly where we were coming from. And there was an absolutely no doubt, but there was enough ambiguity in it that people weren't sure, as was evidenced by the fact that when the foreplay pod guys took a photo of Damien's bonds and reading through the comments they got when they posted it on their Instagram page, a lot of people, oh, you'll sell none of those hats. I mean, like completely- You just don't, they don't quite get it, or they didn't quite get it on social. Yeah, a little bit missed the point. And it also needs, potentially needs some explanation for some more than others. But what we wanted to do was to to just enjoy the week and at least make some sort of a statement. And and I agree, it it was fantastic. And topped off, Damien, with the Sunday afternoon with three esteemed gentlemen requesting- um, very esteemed gentlemen. They were very esteemed, esteemed gentlemen. Uh, we mean fairly wealthy, we would say, would we not, Phil? I'm not sure, fairly lucky, but requesting access to the hats and the pride that they wore them with because yeah. it was a little bit different, a little bit funny and otherwise. It was <laughs> it was fantastic. It actually topped off what was a great week for did, us. Did well, you be- have any other loves you wanted to share, Phil? I've got two loves. There's lots um, of loves. Two clear loves. And my first love is for golf because if you looked at that event 
over the course of the week and particularly over the, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but the Wednesday as well, the practice day, yeah, which for everybody day, yeah. who didn't make it to practice day, when the event comes back to Melbourne and if it does come back to Melbourne or if you're able to get to it any other place, the Wednesday is really the day hmm. to go and enjoy every element of it. Yes, without the competition or otherwise. But I loved it. I loved it for golf. I loved it. I love what it did for the game. I love the fact that there was this cross section of the audience and of the of the viewers and everyone going to see it, interacting at different points and in different ways. The players interacting with the crowd at, at different points in different ways. For the record, I think that they I think Patrick Riggs Caddy was absolutely justified for finally standing up to the punter who just didn't get when enough was enough because they were actually really enjoying the banter. That's opinion yeah, only. Agree to, agree to disagree. We'll, we'll delve into that a bit later. That's okay. But my other love, my other love, which I, I really appreciated sitting back and reviewing the, the tournament and seeing a little bit of the social stuff that I, I missed on the news and the coverage because we were there, were the guys on the practice fairway afterwards mm-hmm. playing kick to kick with the Sharon footies that were manufactured for the President's Cup and for each of the players and for each of the captains by my mate Brad and his team at Sharon that – it was just awesome because it, that's Australiana. Yeah. You know, that, that's what actually gives us our pure – it's like Vegemite. It's as, absolutely as Australian as Vegemite and as, as big and iconic a brand. And seeing that brand being filtered through and Joachim Neiman flying for a mark, to me, was about the coolest footage I can. So great for golf, but the celebration and the joy of the week, that's actually how it was presented yeah, for that mine. Was brilliant. Yeah. What about you, Dav? Give me some oh. loving. <laughs> you had a big Other week, than mate. the media centre. I've, you know, I've been a part of a few – I guess you'd call them international sporting events hosted on Australia. So I always love seeing international punters, international journalists coming to our place and getting involved in what is our event. And it's their event too, obviously, but, you know, hosting hosting sort of international people and, and seeing them enjoy it and seeing them, you know, get right into it. I mean, all the golf that I've seen on TV is always obviously, you know, the, the big events coming out of the US. So to see us put on something like that, that looked like that, that felt like that, where, you know, the crowds, you could hear the comments, it was, it felt yeah. very international. That was a big buzz for me. Yeah, it was fan- Everything about it, I mean, it just had a vibe, didn't it, about it, mm. is that it, everything was class. It was also mm. world class. It so was, every yeah. element of it was world class. These people are tasting Melbourne or Melbourne, as a lot of the Americans learned to say it, which is the right way. But in terms of the the class and the polish, this is how good Melbourne can be in every element of it. And a lot of the media were discussing that fact as well, is that, you know, they were blown away by everything and not just what happened at Royal Melbourne, but the other Mm -hmm. golf courses and the hospitality and everything else along the way. You know, we nailed it. Yeah, Melbourne Melbourne nailed it. And 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 Royal was everything everything it promised to be. And, you know, all the drama that we all hoped for because I, for one, really thought the internationals were going to get done pretty early on and it was going to be a real shame that it was going to lose everything that the game or that this event needed. But they really, they pushed it down to the wire and that final stretch, that geez, that was exciting. And they just get better. I mean, the, the stat was offered, mark it up because I do tend to do that. But That's the average world ranking of the American team was 11 and the average world ranking from the international team was 40. But they fought, and this is Abraham answer. Like in terms of what do you love? Three votes, Abraham answer. I mean that the size of the fight in the dog yeah. was amazing, and that is what it's all about. And that's what I think Ernie Els created with that team. There's been a lot of conversation about the logo and everything else. I think that's what this unity and they operated and they spoke as a team. They interacted every much as a team. And if you think about it, Europe is a collection of countries. When the Ryder Cup's on, 
So I, I can't, the knock can't be on US versus international anymore because we are a collection of countries. Yeah. It showed fight a big stage. It showed that we can't be taken, the internationals can't be taken for granted, but it also showed the class ultimately of the US team when they got used to the golf course and when they got over the jet lag. It also shows the real strength of team over individual. I mean, individually, the US clearly had the better players, but when you, you have the team set up and you play as a team, it's, I mean, that old adage, um, you know, team of champions will never beat a, a champion team kind of thing. I know it's around the other way, but that showed to me very clearly that, yeah, that, that individual, they're always a chance. You're always a chance so long as you gel as a team and you have someone like an Ernie Els who's been there and, and knows how to come calm the younger guys when they're getting a little bit ahead of themselves and to match them up properly in that team format. So I'd, I'd love to see far more team formats, which for mm-hmm. me would be a bit of a game changer, Phil, for the game of golf. We need more match play, not just match play, but team match play tournaments. How could you foresee that happening? I mean, given the fact that the US, for example, the US are committed to the Ryder Cup mm-hmm. and then the, the President's Cup, where does that fit? Because I don't disagree because it was exciting, but it, yeah. it Maybe a some too much of a good thing, but have you had some thoughts on how that might look? Well, maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's one of those things that we have in the regular season, and it doesn't have to be country versus country. It might be I don't know. It might be state versus state, or it might not even that. It might just be. I'd love a little lottery system where you could, you know, certain from numbers one to fifty, and then fifty to one hundred, or something like that, and pull them. And I'm making this up as I go along, so who knows? That's okay. But match them up that way, and, and it could just be really exciting stuff. I don't know. I'm just a, I'm a big fan of team golf, and I think most people are. And when you go and talk to people about this, I've had a resounding agreement with that, that, yeah, we just need more team sport or more team golf. Not, not to make this all about marketing and advertising. But no, let's could you, could you do Could you do, you know, ping versus- Yeah, yeah well, you could do manufacturers. No, I think the brands, this. you know what, if the brands could ever get their head, heads out of their bums long enough to actually say, my brand might get beaten by another brand, I think that would be fantastic. And That's I think great. deep down, they'd love it. And there's so much camaraderie mm-hmm. that exists anyway that mm-hmm. they, could, yeah. they could play off that without question. But there's always this fear of- bragging rights of how much am I conceding, not how much am I gaining, or whether yeah. it's actually all for the good of the game. And yeah. Here's one for you, Phil. We've played a bit of Jensen's lately. What about a Jensen's tournament with these boys? Hey? Well, look, it was something that was proposed by our esteemed guest from Royal Melbourne on last podcast that we did from President's Cup, where Guy from City actually said, how about playing Let's some Jensen's during the, the President's Cup, which for those who don't know is you, you play your own, you take the best drive, and then you play your own ball from Te- that. Texas Scramble, you might know it as. Yeah, but you play your own ball from that drive. And I think it just changes up the format. But I really liked the whole thing about the President's Cup. And again, from my point of view, and not going back onto loves, but watching the, the two captains, because I didn't know that the Ryder Cup was all just pre-selected, push them together. And watching these two captains actually think about Sele- team selection. Yeah, it wasn't pre-selected. You could see they were thinking about matchups and, yeah, and how no. it would play out and who matched up well against the next person. Personality types and deadpans and, you know, away we go. Or CT pan. Um, who seemed to handle the pressure pretty well, fought back a number of times, and he's a big fan of ours and we're a big fan of that's his. That's why we like that's, him. That's all that matters. <laughs> but game changer for mine, and this is a – it's not really a game changer, but I have to mention this, and it's regarding a conversation about the GOAT. Damien from a few weeks ago, and oh. and it was the Alpine Ibex. Oh, have you and come I think around? we have found. I think through my eyes, I found the ultimate Ibex, and it was really interesting. I was very fortunate enough to be able to sit on the practice fairway on the Sunday morning and just observe these players coming through and what their routines were. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is, one of the first, in fact, the first player on the range was Goat, 
Well, Tiger Woods. Alpine Ibex. The Alpine Ibex, unless there's a higher one. An Everest, an Everest Ibex. So the Everest Ibex <laughs> wandered onto the tee. But what struck me is that they'd had set out all the players' names along the practice fairway, and, and this will help define why he's good. And I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent because I love to. I'll just settle in, Phil. So all the player names were placed along the practice fairway where you assume that they're just going to practice in front of their like allocated spots, do yeah, you mean? They're yeah. just going to walk up and practice in front of their name. Right. So I was lucky enough to be sitting almost within arm's reach of the wood sign. I thought, oh, this will be pretty good. Here's where I digress. There's a book called Good to Great by a guy called Jim Collins, which is about companies that buck the trend when things get tough and continue to improve and continue to to exceed the market on all fronts. Is that on Audible? I'm sure it's on Everyable. I tend to read books that have pages (laughs) that you hold. And he referred in one chapter to a concept of that he calls rinsing your cottage cheese. And it was regarding Dave Scott, the Hawaii Ironman. Who multiple winner of Hawaii Ironman, yeah. but he wanted to have, and, and you'll understand the premise in a minute, he wanted to have such control over the food and calorie intake that he used to get the cottage cheese, and rather than saying, that's pretty healthy, he knew how much or how many calories were in the cheese, but not how many calories potentially were in the brine. Mm-hmm. So he used to rinse it until he knew it was just the cottage cheese. So he wanted to control everything to the finest detail. Could be obsessive. Yeah, well, it's going to take that, isn't it, to be the goat. So Tiger Woods walks onto the practice range and his first thing is not to just dump balls down on the ground and start hitting them. Tiger Woods' first instinct is to walk along the fairway, swing his wedge, sand iron back and forward into the ground hard until he found a spot on the practice fairway that he felt would best resemble the conditions that he was going to play on the day and that was the spot that he chose to practice from. Every other player that came out to the practice fairway during the morning walk to their sign, put the balls down and start hitting. Mm. These are the little things that make you say, well, that's just goat-like behaviour. That That's why you're the difference. And that's just the one thing that you've noticed. There's probably five or six or seven other things that he does that are so minute that you, that just escape most people's ob- observations. So, so again, another topic we were spoken about, not to make it all about me, but you didn't allow me to be the host, so I'll therefore control the content. <laughs> but in terms of we had this concept of or the idea of encouraging practice with purpose. So Woods would hit five shots of a certain type and then hit a shot that was just completely different, but just one, and then hit another five shots of a certain type and hit something different. So at one stage he was hitting seven irons, a lazy 400, 500 metres. Well, that's what it seemed to be. Like let's say 170 metres, seven irons, and doing it on his ear, all with the exact same flight. And then he'd hit five of those and then from out of nowhere he'd hit a seven iron to the 50 metres iron. Not because the ball was bad or anything else, but just it keeps him in check. No other player had a routine in any way like that. And, in mm. fact, what I declared after watching them all warm up is the two best players from a ball-striking point of view, and I'm not a golf coach and I'm not talking about swings or anything else, but where you could close your eyes and just enjoy the sound. The sound effects, yeah. that, that separated them from the rest. And were we allowed to record sound on the practice fairway? We would have done it, but sorry, we couldn't. <laughs> Tiger Woods, number one, clearly best ball striker on the fairway. Mm-hmm. Number two, and this won't – well, it might help Merga – Patrick Reed, mm. clearly the two best ball strikers out of everybody. But this is from the, the fairway, not in the bunkers, yeah? Clearly the two best ball strikers along the practice fairway. So there you go. That, that's my rant about the GOAT, but about why potentially he is the Sorry, goat. so have I got you to confirm now that you, in fact, do believe he is the GOAT? 
Tiger Woods is, is yes, you know, I've got you. Well, you, good. you. You never had a good. Did you ever, did you ever watch Jack Nicholas on on the practice? Jack Nichols, Nicholson. No, Jack uh, no, Nicholas? he said Nicholas. Nicholas. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I, I, I just the assumption that I'm going to get that wrong. So I didn't watch Jack Nicholas on the practice field. That, that is a really good point, and I didn't exist in his era. I existed at the tail end of it when I was really into golf. And there's no question that they are the two at the pinnacle. Hmm. Yep. So they're the I, two I at the peak of power. And I we discussed this. I can this. hear you backtracking here, Phil. No I'm, no, I'm not at all because we discussed this about the Michael Jordan, LeBron James. But I still look at Michael Jordan and I say, you're clearly the greatest of all time. Mm. I can now look at Tiger Woods and say, you're just at a different you're a different level to everyone that is pushing you, mm. whereas Jack Nicholas won a lot more majors for a number of different reasons and I don't know what they are. But but I haven't. my opinion yeah. now is that Tiger Woods is G-O-A-T. Absolutely. Outstanding. Um, there you go. And it is recorded and he's now set in stone and I'm not allowed to change my mind. So now we've got Michael Jordan and we have Tiger Woods. Dav, was there anything else that you noticed, forget game changer otherwise, anything you noticed from the President's Cup that stood out to you that you thought, gee, that's awesome? I mean, in terms of quality of how good they are or? Yeah, I mean, my assessment of their skill level is not going to be as as fine-tuned as, as you fellas. You've seen a lot more golf than I have, but it, yeah, it was obviously very impressive to see how clean they hit the ball and, you know, as someone that's, you know, done well if he's three over par on any given hole, it was it was good to watch. I, I was really impressed with, one, how close people get to the action. Yeah, great call. And how focused these guys stay, you know, and, and there are people, you know, a hemming and and shouting things out, you know, when they're setting up to hit the ball, and they just they're just not phased by it. And in a game where they're, they're obviously used to quiet, it still was really impressive how focused they were, despite what was going on around them. And in real close proximity, there was yep. there wasn't a lot of security, you know, at the ball when they're sort of on the fairway or if they're in the rough or whatever, and, and they're really close to the to the fans. It was yeah, it was really impressive to watch. Can you think of another game, another sport at that elite level? where fans can be that close to the play and to the players, literally separated by a by a you know three centimeter diameter mm. bit of rope. Basketball they're pretty I mean basketball yeah, they're, they're pretty close. close. Yeah. And in terms of being able to address and refocus when you're playing, but mm. there's noise the whole time. So it's mm. this constant yeah. No, other than in international tournaments Almost where you're not allowed to play music during play, yeah. it is where it is relatively quiet, you know, other than in breaks. In the NBA I, games and things, it, yeah. I mean, it is this it's is entertainment. And there are- I remember when I was a kid and the NBA Jam Session came out. I don't know if you remember the NBA Jam Session, but they came out and there was a there was a three-point shootout and everyone was quiet. And the players, like, didn't know what to do. They actually asked for noise because they couldn't concentrate with the quiet. <laughs> they yeah. were so used to screaming and music that they, they actually asked for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a different level of concentration. And obviously, it's what, you, what you're used to when you're competing. But uh, And we see more and more, and, and going back to the Ryder Cup from four, what, four years ago, five years ago, you know, when they were demanding the noise. Ian Poulter came on and demanded mm-hmm. the noise when it was played at Celtic Manor, I think it was. On the first tee, you know, getting the crowd, imploring them to scream before he hit his tee shot, and then Bubba Watson did the same. So, so they are loosening up a little. And the issue with golf is actually when the, it's the unexpected noise, not the constant. It's a noise. startling noise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, from an NBA context, maybe everyone should be quiet until LeBron James is about I've to shoot it, like and then that, scream out at the foul this. line. I've, at the foul line, I think if everyone just went dead quiet, that would be more distracting than the balloons waving. And yeah, well, they yeah. start to hear all the voices in their head saying, <laughs> saying "Don't miss this, <laughs> yeah, you're don't miss this, don't miss this, 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 this,
called, we call gear effect, which is a discussion about gear or equipment or or otherwise. Was there anything that struck you about players' bags or setups or? No, well, I didn't see, and uh, to be honest, I didn't have a good look at the bags while we're out there. We probably saw the most play up close on the Wednesday while we while we trekked around with the lads. But this, I don't know if this ties in at all. But one thing I do want to talk about is how big the American boys are. Some of those guys are far, far, and I don't mean big in a derogatory way, like big, muscly, strong-boned blokes. Patrick Cantlay, he was a lot bigger than I thought he was. He's a strapping, strapping lad. Even Bryson DeChambeau, who got a bit upset when, what was what was the line? Oh, DeShambles. I think DeShambles he asked for someone he, to be escorted out because yeah, they called him DeShambles. Which is poor form on his half, uh, quite frankly. That's actually quite a good line. I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> I didn't come up with it myself. But he's a big boy. He's put on he's put on some weight there. So, that, so th- overall, the Yanks were a lot stronger physically, you could see. But again, in golf, it's not all about your size and your strength. There's a, there's a lot more a lot more wiliness and a lot more guile that has to go into it. Yeah, mine, I mean, the thing that I most noticed, again, it, it's really got nothing to do with gear or setups, although my only comment would be a lot more driving irons than hybrids, I mean, particularly yeah. around Royal Melbourne. From a, a gear setup, there was a lot more three irons being hit. And which which became, makes sense, I guess, when you when you look at the length of it. Yeah, it, it does. I think there was a comment that was made before Leishman's, and it might have been his on the Saturday or the, the Friday that he's on the practice fairway before his round, the, his driving iron or his three iron. He had an issue with it that it meant that it had to come out of his bag. In fact, it was his two-on, so he had to hit three-on. Mm-hmm. And as he said, he only noticed it on the fifth hole and he was about to use it on the next, you know, four of the next five. But that was one thing I noticed is that I think Kucher, Kucher was the only one I clearly noticed using hybrid. But again, I didn't, I wasn't probably closing, watching the, the bags closely enough. But mine is, is as much a gear effect as a swing effect, as how much, how much power these guys have when they want to have it. Mm-hmm. And again, this was not about how they overpowered the course. This is about watching the variety of shots they hit on the range mm-hmm. of flat ones, high draws, high fades with seven irons that, you know, they could hit seven iron 130 or they could hit it 180. I still don't believe I've got any clue exactly how much power, or how much speed the best players in the world have at their disposal to and therefore still be able timing to- it, still time every one of those shots beautifully. The noise didn't change, yeah. and again, I'll, I'll use Woods as my example. Is that he was going the whole way through the bag, the contact contact sounded exactly the same, but the shape and his variety of shape that he had is what I imagine. You know, we talk about Jack Nicklaus. That's how I imagine they used to play because they were playing balls that spun a lot more, and they they were hitting high ones and low ones. We talk about Seve. We talk about the yeah. genius of Greg Norman and and these guys. And I was just blown away. I knew. I mean, you do know how good they are, but this was our chance to see them up close, yeah. which we don't get to see often at all. Let me ask you, fella, like guys, what do we know? What number? What numbers there were through the gates? Like, was from a fan standpoint, has there been anything? Well, and was it just this is more. I haven't, I haven't got the stats. I haven't seen the stats, but anecdotally, so I was, I've been out covering back when uh, when Woods came out for the for the Australian Masters in two thousand and nine for the World Cup. A few years back, uh, the last President's Cup, which was also at Royal. And for me, I felt that this was the biggest crowd mm. that we've had. And not only just the biggest crowd, but the densest crowd. Like everyone, mm. they were, you know, following groups, but I think it was set up better than it's ever been set up as well. Mm. Yeah. So for mine, it, absolutely, it, this was the biggest, it's the biggest event I've seen on mm. Australian soil. No question, no question. Pretty cool hearing, you know, you, you're in the thick of a big crowd and then you hear off in the distance a roar from yeah. another, another hole and then another one from a different part of the Th- That's the thing, the course. feeling The feeling around there was that, every, that there were a lot more 
golf fans. Yeah. There. Is that, would that be a fair call? I know, I know that you're always going to get some idiots in any crowd that size, but generally speaking, the crowds seem to know a bit about golf yeah, or at least appreciate the, you know, the beauty of golf. Yeah. There, there was an element of party zone and there were a few guys getting carried out by their mates and there were, <laughs> there were a couple. In fact, when Shout we left- out to Kipper. Yep. <laughs> when we left on one of the days, in fact, it was the Thursday after we'd done a little bit of filming there in the fan zone, there was one gentleman who appeared to- be legitimately struggling to stand up, remain conscious, and his friends went from being, well, this is funny, to where we're a little bit concerned about him. Mm. And we're not sure whether that was intoxication or whether or not he'd been struck on the head by a stray drive from (laughs) Gary Woodland (laughs) off the 16th tee or otherwise, but there's always them Mm. at every event. The majority of the crowd, I thought, were fantastic from what I witnessed, and, yes, they always wanted to say something smart because everyone wants their – their fame and their 15 minutes and otherwise. Some of the comments, though, were pretty sharp, you know, about the, for example, Patrick Reid on the first tee, you know, your caddy's going to have his work cut out from his carrying 14 clubs and a shovel. But there are a couple of others that, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of my hates, went over the line, but that's always going to happen because you're involving, as you say, crowds close to players. You're involving players who can be touchy if they're out of form. There's a lot of other things yeah. going on. Just on the Reid incident and the caddy, so you think you're saying it's fair enough that he's given the guy a bit of a clip. Well, he didn't give him a clip. Well, or pushed him. He, what he pushed. He pushed him. Yeah. Okay. He didn't punch him in the face. No, no, I didn't. I he didn't pushed him. He did. Well, you said he gave him a clip. A clip. A little clip. Come on, come on, Phil. Let's. You're playing semantics. You're getting a bit defensive there. You're but standing like a journalist okay, in the media. So okay. Let me punch? let me rephrase that. You're saying that his reaction was just justified, and I, I'm not saying necessarily it entirely wasn't, but I think you've also got to put things into context that. If you're going to stick your hand in a keep poking, you know, poking bees and then you get stung and, and you can't then claim to be the victim. He was he was stirring up the crowd a lot during the week, which is fine. I the caddy quite, was. I quite, no, no, not the caddy. I'm but saying the caddy Reed was the was. one who pushed him. Exactly. But why But why are you justifying it for the caddy then? Why is the caddy? Because the caddy, the, they're a team. So you, you yeah, can't Yeah, but the caddy's job like, is to stand up. The caddy's job is to stand up for the player. And there is a point, And I think one of the- Is it also his job to tell the player to shut up at times? No. Melbourne is renowned- so, so Patrick Reed was not verbally abusing the crowd at any point in time, and Melbourne is renowned for being really passionate sports sporting fans, any sport. but really respectful sport fans. Like they tend to all they know the line, sport, yeah. and I think it's that fine line between taunting someone. And I think Patrick Reed loved being taunted, but it's just the caddy must have felt that he went over overstepped the, the and overstepped yeah. the mark. And so I think there's probably that point where no, should he have been physical? No, he shouldn't. No, absolutely, he shouldn't have. Mm. Should he have maybe got out of the cart and said? Mate, enough. Like the match was over, so surely you know there's a point where you're fair game when you're out on the course. But sure. there's also a point where you yep. say, you know what, he's just trying to get back to the. I don't disagree, but is there a little bit of loser's limp there too? Because if he's there's- winning, if he's winning that. Is he going to react in the same way? There is no question there's loser's limp and there's no question I could be talked around in my attitude to whether it was the right or wrong thing. (laughs) Any other sport, any other sport where that line's crossed and a a spectator has has been roughed up in some way by a player or a coach or an official, it's pretty big news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and it should have yeah. been used. And in fact, no, I actually quite like the way they quickly swept it on the car because I think it, had a, it, it was going <laughs> yeah, to take. It's going true. to take. No, quite seriously. Normally, yeah. I could be really critical of the PGA Tour for the way they handled that sort of thing, and it should be no, no. You know, he should be banned for this, that, and we go through. No, no, they did the right thing because it was going to take the gloss of out of what had been such a, a brilliant tournament thus far, and it could have could have taken all that limelight away. So mm-hmm. I think they actually handled it pretty well. And not only that, there were some that were by byproduct beneficiaries of the incident. One of them being. 
Damien Schutte, in terms of being then allowed to interview or given the opportunity to interview Ron Cross, the Vice President of the PJ Tour, without any other journalist present from the US because they were there covering the story about the caddy pushing. So, so Damien, you were the beneficiary of it. And yeah, and what a great man he was. Yeah, he was a really, really good interview, really honest and candid in what he, in what he said. And so I want to, yeah, massive thanks to, you, we'll see that in one of the upcoming issues of, of Barron's Life, but Huge thanks to our friends over at Rolex for uh, helping set that up because that was a really a real highlight actually of an interview. Absolutely, it's probably a seamless lead into Baronesque behaviours from the week, Damien. In terms of that, that you know what happened this week, or was there anything that happened this week that you would have thought yeah. to yourself, yeah, that's pretty golf Barons, that's pretty Baronesque. I'll tell you what, for me, what is Barons? I think this is. I don't want this to come across as any kind of self promotion for us, but I'm glad that we made the call. We we're very lucky, very lucky to play in the Robert Allenby Challenge Golf Day for our our favourite charity, the, our charity that we like to support, Challenge, supporting kids with cancer. And we had an opportunity there to really to put on, you know, our, our golf barons hats or and make a stance for ourselves. And we both looked at each other and said, "No, nah, we're gonna put them away." We went and bought two new Luke the Duck caps, even though we already had some bright yellow to support these kids. And just, I'm glad that we, as much as we like to have a bit of fun and take the piss occasionally and and be a little bit cheeky. At the end of it all, we know what we stand for and we will stand for it all day, every day. And I'm proud that I'm surrounded by blokes who will do that every single time without question and without any debate. Yep. Here, here. Yep. This is not a brand first. People, people first. Yep. Business second. Sick yeah. kids. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think that's a pretty good one. Dav, was there any baronesque behaviour that you witnessed or was party to during the week? short of being invited into the media centre, being given media access to a lot of different areas at the President's Cup, the biggest golf tournament that's ever been staged in Australia. Baronesque behaviour. Well, he's about, to, he's about to indulge in some Baronesque behaviour shortly. Yeah, that's right. He's waiting for the podcast to finish because there's a couple of very tasty Cuban <laughs> sitting over there that are about to get sparked yeah, I'm, up. I'm looking forward to that. That's certainly. right. And, and, and so you're actually allowed to – you are allowed to defer. From my point of view, it's a little bit more selfish from that Baronesque behaviour, and this is really from, from our end. And one of those was having the, the absolute joy of playing Kingston Heath as a guest of – Rolex on the the Friday morning. I thought that was. It's always a joy to go there to see someone that I'm g- can describe as the almost the not not the Uber Baron because we've defined him, but someone who's pushing up there in terms of our friend Arno from oh Arno, Arno from, from Rolex, Rolex. Who <laughs> now now French men are we all know are one a of the sm- cooler than he, us. He's one of the smoothest <laughs> smoothest men. I've ever seen. Yeah. He was a ripper. Three votes. Anyway, three, three votes. votes. Best on four, ground. Four votes. Honestly, the, the, a new category almost. So he's taken he's taken new votes. But my personal one was in addition to that, and that's not just about name dropping and brand dropping, having the joy of being served a Four Pillars gin by one of the founders one uh, of the and founders. directors of yeah. Four Pillars in Stuart Gregor. That was a, just a really nice touch to finish what was a great week for us. And we, we did love, I mean, you have to understand how much we loved every minute of the week. But then on the Sunday to actually sit at a bar. So what would you like? I'll take the <laughs> Shiraz gin. He said you'll be having that with effectively, and you'll be having that and with soda. You, and here's, here's a slice of orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it was just it, it was as much the excitement of the drink, which we always bang on about, is delicious. And no, they're not a sponsor. We just love it. Yeah. But that joy of of just saying, well, you know, this is a really special moment. Is mm-hmm. I'm being delivered one of my favourite drinks in the world by someone who's created it yeah. and had the vision for it. Yeah. Just named International Gin of the World in the world, uh, weren't yeah, they? Best, world's Best Gin world's Distillery. Best Gin yeah. Distillery. There you go. In it, the Yarra Valley at, at Hillsville. So. It just capped off what was an incredibly busy 
incredibly busy week for us, a very tiring week, but God, what a bloody great week it was. I will I have thought of a couple. Obviously, rolling up, I mean, it's Baroness behaviour being the Barons, rolling up in, in the limo was, was, was certainly a nice <laughs> touch challenge. <laughs> I didn't but, think but, we were going to get in the gate, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> it was, a le- and, and, it was and extravagant. It was extravagant. And we because it was the President's Cup, we did arrange, for those who haven't seen the little video, we did arrange a Lincoln to deliver us from Lincoln Limousines to actually deliver us from where we all met in through the gate. And there was some conjecture about whether or not one the limo would be able to navigate its way through the gate <laughs> to whether they would allow the limo in. But we did have a car park pass, and the day before we were assured that the car park that pass- size didn't matter. We size did not matter. For the first time in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> there were, yes. So <laughs> the, the, we were assured that the size of the car made no difference. So we thought, why not? And that was, to me, that was- Really cool. I agree, Dan. Mm. That was a really exciting part. And as a as a video nerd, I didn't get to see it, sadly, but I did hear from someone in the know, a friend of yours, Phil, talk about the man who was directing the telecast, picturing the director sitting in front of 30 TV screens. Because I, I was wondering about that because there's cameras all over the course sending a feed and he is just like switching from hole to hole to hole to hole, switching shots like that. That's impressive work, I must say. So, And I love the fact from – so everyone sees this whole event through different eyes, and I think that's one of the great things about having you involved in the conversation tonight mm. is that if it was just Damien and I, that conversation would have – one, the question would never have been asked. Mm. But secondly, if the answer would have gone, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, just one director for 30 screens, yeah, that's okay. Yet sitting with you when you asked the question and got the answer and Incredible. looking at your face go, what – you mean there's not 400 of the people sitting there going, yeah. hang on, camera 28, camera 28, camera 28. Yeah. It's someone who's just in charge of that going ping, ping, and, ping, and, ping. And let me tell you, he's communicating with camera operators. He's telling them, you know, what shots to go for, zoom in, punch out, a little more headroom on this. Like he's communicating with all those guys out on, on course. So, that, I mean, that hats off to that guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and to the people who covered it, I mean, they didn't miss a thing, you know, in the coverage. I, I, mm. Not a thing was missed. There was no commentary about it. You know, this is this was not amateur hour. The best people came out to cover the best event. What was the best event in the world in that week at the best golf course in the world or the best group of 18 holes on the planet in the world that I believe yeah. is a collection of best 18 holes on the planet that can uh-huh. be played in, in one round. Yeah, it was just was just ticks all around, which really covers off the dreaming bit because normally at this point in time we'd move into golf dreaming and this idea of, gee, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if? Wouldn't it be great if? But I think... It's kind of a moot point for this week because the golf dreaming was, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if at Royal Melbourne they had this tournament called the President's Cup and they had stands exactly. everywhere yeah. and the event was close and the players were out in force and everyone was really committed to it and the crowds were huge, you know, 150,000 plus over the, the week. Even the marquees were built better than any other marquee I've been to at any other event. The Rolex one, for example, that was built better than my house. <laughs> You mean the two-story <laughs> two two Rolex? Solid as a, solid as a rock. Oh, that <laughs> With was, the walnut stairs. And vision of four different, uh, four of the holes. It was, it was four? Five. How many holes? Yeah, no, it was four. You know, you got the, the yeah, right, back in the 15, 16. And, yeah, and it was, yeah, what a place to, to what, you know. I was lucky to, lucky enough to see a couple of groups come through and I went, wow, I've so got to <laughs> save up and yeah. get into there on my own, off my own volition. So. But that, and that is the place for it. I mean, that is the, mm. like Royal Melbourne, that's why it's such a perfect location mm. because of the way they can sit the whole or set the whole event up it is just enormous. I mean, it was just a great, it was a great week. It was a great event. It was the ultimate of everything. And what a great way to, and what a great way to end for us anyway golf golf in Australia for this year in what's been such a such a big year especially for us as as a group guys we've 
We've launched our magazine, Baron's Life, which you can get over at baronslife.com. We've launched this podcast, which has actually done a lot better than we thought it would, yeah. thinking that, you know, let's be let's be completely- Turns uh, out both our mums referred it to yeah. two other people. I think there's now four mums listening. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> I mean, we're currently out on the road filming for season two of Golf Barons with Golf Barons, the first season about to be launched. So it's been a huge year for us. I've loved doing it with both of you. You've been you've been awesome, guys. Your support's been great. All of our listeners have been fantastic. Our readers have been great. The emails we get just saying, hey, guys, love what you're doing. It, you know, it might not be perfect, but what you're doing, it's more the ideology that you're bringing to golf is is what we've needed. And and you've all given us so much to go on with, you know, so much positivity. So. And even on the Thursday, the spark from Kipper, you know, who's a pretty busy man, but an integral part of the, the team, you know, you know, watching him, weave his magic on the, the Thursday at the President's Cup as well. I mean, this is a really good unit of people all pushing in the same direction, all with the same goal and all with the same vision. And we want to share that with you because we love the game and we love all the good things about the game and we won't be dismissive of tour. We just won't focus on it, but we love the finer things that the game brings. We love the finer elements of the game. We love the enjoyment, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, and we look forward in 2020 to sharing a lot more of that with all of our listeners, with all of our readers, with all of our viewers and everything else. Yeah, so thank you. And there we'll end the last Tenuous Links podcast for 2019. Thank you, Dave, for joining us for the last podcast. I'm sorry it's taken this long to get you on board, but you'll certainly be invited back. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Very good. Thanks, Damo, again, for your input and your banter and, and knowledge and wisdom and everything else. Outstanding hosting by you, Phil. I think we've got a new spot for you. And again, thank you to our sponsors, Ping, Under Armour and Mizuno, who make all this possible and we look forward to a bigger and better 2020 and we hope everyone sticks with us throughout all of 2020 and beyond because we've got big things planned merry christmas barons merry christmas happy new year all the best see you in 2020 we'll speak to you in 2020 cuban time